watch here is, and uh, <laughs> getting real nervous, aren't you? Yeah, okay, set that right there. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been saved? Not necessarily spiritually saved, although I hope that the Lord has done that in your life, but saved, like your life was saved, you were rescued. I remember when I was about 12 years old and having a great uh, steak dinner with my family and took too big of a piece, got lodged in my throat, and uh, it took me a while to realize I wasn't breathing. Uh, But my mother knew as I was turning blue uh, that I wasn't. And so right away she ran over and gave me the Heimlich and saved me. Uh, I was literally dying. When I was uh, 18 years old... In San Francisco, uh, 12 gang members decided to mug me and my cousin. And as we were getting beat up, and I didn't know what the outcome of that would be, cops came around the corner, pulled their guns, and they saved us uh, from who knows, again, the outcome of what that would have been. Have you ever been saved? My mother died once, and they brought her back to life. She's actually one of those women who had one of those out-of-body deals where she saw herself on the operating table, but she was saved. And this morning we're going to look into the book of Exodus at a generation, at a people who are going to be saved, who are going to be rescued by a loving God, a loving Savior. And if you have been saved, you know that you are full of gratitude, you are thankful for the one who has saved you. You also know that you take a different look at life, which is, what is life all about? I've been given a second chance. And that's what God is doing with his people. I'm giving you life again. Who will I be in your life? Will you follow me? So turn to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to back up a little bit into last week because I didn't quite finish, and I'll start at uh, verse 7 this morning. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to go and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. All the ites were there. And now the cry of Israel has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. And bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And we'll stop there. Here's what I want you to notice about the book of Exodus. I want you to notice that in this play, in this drama that is being played out, in the story of Exodus, that the lead roles are changing. As we began the book, it was of the women who were faithful to God the women who wouldn't kill the boys that were being born. Then it was about Moses' mother and and sister and how they protected Moses. 
and how their life was reflective in Christ and God. And then the roles change. It begins to be about who Moses is, and and he's going to be the one to deliver, and, and he kills the Egyptian. And then he is sent off to Midian, where he spends time in the desert for 40 years. And as we come to the burning bush, the lead role changes. It goes from the people to the Creator. And now center stage is God Almighty. And the one thing I don't want you to miss in, these, in last week and in this week and as we go on is that we need to take a look at the character and the being of God, the one who we worship. We say we're followers of Jesus Christ, of the Lord. Who is He? Who is this God that we follow? We have to look at His character. Why bother following this God? There's lots of gods out there, people. Why bother following this one? And so I want you to realize, last week we took a look at God's holiness. He is set apart. He is like no other God. He is pure. Yet in His holiness, He longs for us to have relationship. And so as we know, for you and I, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have life. He is our Savior, our Rescuer, the One who will rescue Egypt, the Israelites out of Egypt, and the One who desires to rescue you and me out of slavery to sin. Who is God to you this morning? He is, again, our salvation. It's a relationship that is a covenant relationship. Remember, God cannot break His covenant. I am your God. You are my people. I will always pursue you. We will always have relationship. He is a covenant-keeping God, a promise-keeping God. He is a personal God. Again, one who doesn't want us to live in fear. I just read a thing in Time magazine about the earthquake in Indonesia, and the quote was, boy, God must be really angry at us to allow this earthquake to happen and take all these lives. And so it's this fear of this angry God, and he must have done it because he's angry. That's just not who God is. Sometimes his wrath comes out, but he's a loving, personal God, a God who longs for relationship with us, all those people in Indonesia. He longs to be close, and he allows us to come in. But it is also not only a personal relationship, but a saving relationship. He is our rescuer, the God who sees, who hears, who knows his people. He also saves them. My little boy, Josh, who's uh, five, he's a pretty good swimmer. And uh, we were at some dear friends uh, home the other night, and it was actually that night that was, uh, it was Friday night. It was raining a lot, uh, but the kids wanted to swim anyway, which I think is just the joy of being kids. You just swim in the rain. You're going to get wet anyway, right? So they're jumping in the pool, and this is a great pool, and they have a diving board, and, and Josh is running and jumping off and, and swimming to the side. And, and one time he jumped off, and he's out in the middle, and, and he's just kind of floating out there in the middle, and then you could see him just slowly sinking, and he's out in the middle of the pool. And you see him kind of go under, and, and we're eating dinner around the pool, and we're kind of watching this, and uh, it's like, Josh, you okay? And he's like, 
he's just barely hanging on, and he goes under. And luckily, there were some other kids in the pool. And uh, Shaw actually brought him up uh, out of the pool and got him to the side. But he was starting to drown. He was taking in water, and, and obviously I was going to dive in, but I didn't really want to get wet. But anyway, <laughs> um, but he's a saving God. And the scriptures say he reaches down, he comes out of heaven for us. He's not a distant God. The truth is we're, we're all out in the middle of the pool without Jesus Christ. We are drowning spiritually. We have no life without him. And he sees us drowning. And God doesn't just sit there like I did by the poolside. He reaches down, pulls us out of the pool so that we might have life. Awesome God, glorious God, fearsome God. His holiness stoops to save us. Charles Spurgeon pleaded with his congregation to those who need a saving God. And I think that's all of us in this room. Sinner, tell God your misery even now. He will hear your story. He is willing even to listen to that sad and wretched tale of yours about all of your multiplied transgressions, your hardness of heart, your rejections of Christ. Tell him all, for he will indeed hear it. Tell him what it is that you want. Oh, what large mercy. Oh, what great forgiveness. Just lay your whole case before him. Do not hesitate for a single moment. He will hear it. He will be attentive to the voice of your cry. God was saving them, the Israelites, and he's saving you and me from the bondage of sin into something. into the promised land, to life with Christ, into a land that is full. God is working. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. Actually, the Hebrew says, I know the plans that I am currently planning for you. I, I have plans for you, and I'm making them right now because I'm excited about your life. And here are the plans, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me, you will come and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. Heaven is a promised land for you and me. Can't wait to get to heaven someday. Life placed in Christ today or whenever you place your life in Christ, is the promised land. It is abundant life in Jesus Christ. It is forever in His presence. And Christ says, I dwell within you. And so we have life in Christ now, today, as we live in Him. So He saves us out and delivers us into abundant life. He is our provision. It's a place where we will worship Him now and forevermore. He calls it a land of milk and honey. It's all the idea of the, of the beautiful abundance. Obviously, the milk 
needed to come from goats and they needed pasture. And so you have the idea of a beautiful green pasture. Remember Psalm 23, I will make you lie down in green pasture. It's a place of, of provision and rest. And honey, just the, the overabundance of dates and, and possibly honeybees that they had, but a lot of the syrups that came from the different dates and things like that, just this idea of overflowing abundance. There will be life. There will be sustenance there. I will take care of you because you are my people. And I give you a land that's not just a little land. Again, he lists out, right, all the Canaanites and the Hittites. That's a lot of land, people. They occupied a lot of space. And he said, it's all going to be yours. Isn't that a little bit beyond and above? It's not just a place to go dwell. It's this awesome, spacious land to go and enjoy and be provided for. Why? Because God just loves us. You see, there's a reason why God says, would you stop worrying about your life? Would you stop it? Literally, it's, 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 a, it's a command. Stop it. Knock it off. Don't you know how valuable you are to me? Look at the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field, and I take care of them. Don't you know? If I take care of them, don't you realize how much more valuable you are? So stop your worrying because you have life in me. And not only do I want to give you life, I give it to you in abundance. I just love to surprise you. Just like any father loves to bless and surprise his children. You know, my wife and I, just uh, last month actually, we were just kind of hit one of those seasons where we were a little bit behind financially. You guys ever get there? And we were like about, it was about like 300 bucks. We had some bills, and I'm like, I don't think we have this money to uh, pay these. These are going to be late. And I hate that. I just don't like to be late on those things. And I'm like, my wife has this little southern living business. I'm like, you got any money in your account, you know? And uh, trying to mooch off her. So um, she's like, no, I had to pay this, this last thing, and, and so no, I don't have any. I was like, boy, well, Okay. I guess we're just going to have to be late. Go to the mail that day, pull out the mail, and I totally really had forgotten about this, but there was our tax return. We actually got a little bit of money back. It was uh, $357 was our tax return. Not only did we meet our $300, but we went to the land of milk and honey and got some ice cream, and, <laughs> and, and we were able to enjoy. And that was just God's little blessing to us. I don't think it was just a little thing, though. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Rod, Kina, don't you know? I'll meet your needs. I know you have bills to pay. Stop your worrying. I love to bring you into, your life is in me. Let me just bless your life. I have a place for you to dwell, and it's life in me. When we live in Christ, people, it sure is fun. It's an adventure. It's scary. We don't know all the time how things are going to work out. But it is life. And it's life in Christ. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus does. I am your abundant provision. I have all of this for my people. And then he says to Moses, I have this place to go. I'm going to deliver them up. Now, you go and take my people into the promised land. You do it. I'm sending you. This wonderful, intimate God who involves us in his kingdom work. 
I have all of this to offer, all of this goodness of who I am, and now you go and offer it to the people. He is a God who sends us. He is our sustenance as we obey and as we go. You know, there's a team out here this morning that's uh, the Crow Nation team. They just want to go and serve the people in the Crow Nation, the Indians there, by just being available. They're trusting God with the finance to go. They're trusting God with the gifts to go and to just be a witness and to share. But they're just going. And we have a team going to Guatemala that's doing the same. We have all of our missionaries all over this world that have just gone because of God's abundant life in their life. And they knew they had to share it with the rest of the world. So now go, I'm sending you. I'm sending you like Mike shared into the harvest of these children. I am sending you. There isn't, don't look to your neighbor. It's you and me. He's sending us. If you are followers of Jesus Christ, he saves and then he sends. That's a normal relationship. Do you understand that? You have life in me. The rest of the world needs to know this life. He saves and he sends so that we can share this abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus. Where is God sending you, people? What does he have for your life, truly? We cannot just sit here on Sundays and go, that was nice. There's so much more abundant life. We miss the promised land, I think, if we don't go and be sent of him. Why? Because our only source is him. We go, I can't do this. I don't know how to go and love children. I don't know how to go to the Crow Nation. What do I do there? He says, I know that. Through the uncommon faithfulness of common people, God sends. That's new covenant. In our weakness, he is strong. He is our abundance. He is our everything. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We are, you and I are, God's workmanship, his beautiful pottery, his art, his poetry. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for us to step into. And so God has all of these wonderful things that he longs for us to to go into, and he just can't wait for us to do it so that we can have relationship with him because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And God calls out, Moses, Moses! And Moses' response is, here I am. a servant attitude that starts to be developing in Moses. And the question for you and me is, are we willing to take the posture of servant, saying, here I am? Moses, Moses, I am sending you to the people. And Moses, in all of his flesh, says, I object. Who am I? Who am I? What he's really saying is, I can't, do this. I think at this point in his life, you've got to imagine, 40 years, he's in the wilderness, right? His time of preparation. 
for ministry. I can't do this. The great Egyptian prince, I think, truly struggles with his value. The one who was one of the most powerful of all now goes, I feel nothing. Have you ever been there? I think all the negative tapes are going through his mind as he's thinking all of his time in the desert. I'm a murderer. I took life. I am a disgusting shepherd, the lowest form, the most degrading. And here's the one I think that pierced the most. We say sticks and stones, you know, break our bones, but words never hurt us. Oh, that's so false. Words hit us to the core, stick with us for so long. And here's the words. Who are you, Moses? Who are you to judge over us? Who are you to be the ruler over us when the Hebrew brothers were fighting? And then Moses says to God, Who am I? He tried to take leadership. He thought he was supposed to do that. Took things into his own hands. And now I think has been humbled to the core and broken. And really, who am I in this? You know what? You may have been torn down your whole life, feel that you're not worthy, that you have no purpose. How could God ever want relationship with me and or even use me for life? How could he do that? But the eyes of the Lord look upon you and look upon your heart, and he says to each one of us, you are my beloved. You are so valuable to me. Let me speak into your life who you are to me. That our identity is in Christ alone. Romans 8 reminds us, we are sons and daughters of God. The Spirit testifies that we are God's children. This is why we can come before a holy God. You are cleansed. And it goes on to say, if we are children, then we are heirs. We take in all that is of God's kingdom. That is who we are. We are adopted and we are redeemed. Corinthians says we're new creation in Christ Jesus. We'll be united with Him in His resurrection, Romans 6 tells us. Plain and simple, He just loves His children. And He can't stop loving us. That's the truth about our God that we serve. Who am I? I'm a son or daughter of the Most High God. Don't ever forget that about you. And in the midst of that, He loves for us to share in His love, and He wants us to share that with others, that the children and that others who don't know Him may know Him and put their faith in Him. And so He says to you and to me and to Moses, I'm sending you. Our identity, again, is in Christ. We are salt and light. We now go as ministers of reconciliation. We, we now go as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We now go as ministers, again, of reconciliation. 
to reconcile people to God who are separate from him and don't have any hope of the promised land. They're stuck in slavery. But all of this, again, is in Christ Jesus. Our identity alone is in him. It's not about, woohoo, look at me. Look what I can do for you, God. And Moses kind of shows up that way, doesn't he? He kind of, again, in his flesh says, Who am I to bring these people, my people, I, I, I will go and do this. And there's a lot of I statements involved. And what God's trying to bring us back to is, Moses, I know you're broken, but it's really not about you. It's about me, God. It's about me working in your life. The Holy Spirit is in each one of us who love Jesus Christ. And so we have the power of the Spirit who works in us to share the love of God as he reveals the love of God to us through the Holy Spirit. God in the bush speaks forth. Major Ian Thomas said this, God was telling Moses, I don't need a pretty bush or an educated bush or an eloquent bush. Any old bush will do as long as I am in the bush. If I'm going to use you, it won't be you doing something for me, but it'll be me doing something for you. He is the deliverer. He is the one who comes down. He is the one who frees his people. He is the one who wants you and me to be part of his kingdom work. But his response is, and I will be with you. I will be with you always. That's who God is in our lives. David Culpepper, who at this wonderful uh, Cole Valley graduation I went to last week, he was uh, the valedictorian and he came up and gave his speech. And as he wrapped up his speech, he reminded the graduating class of 2006 out of Deuteronomy that the Lord will be with you always. And in my mind, there is no greater truth for a graduating class who is full of life, looking for what is around the corner. And if you can hold on to the fact that the Lord your God is with you in all of your new adventure and also in the hard curveballs that you're going to get, the rejection that's going to happen, things that you had hoped for that, that failed, that dear class, it doesn't matter. What matters is God is with you always. So serve him. Be obedient to him. Go out, but know that he is with you. And God calls us to move, and he moves with us whenever he does. Joshua, here is the mantle passed upon you to bring the people into the promised land, and I will be with you. Gideon, go and deliver the people from the Amorites and their oppression. I will be with you. Jeremiah, go and serve me. I will be with you. This is the God we serve. I will be with you in your hospital room. I will be with you in your job interview. I will be with you as you go next door to your neighbor and you want to share God's love with them and it freaks you out to do so. 
And God says, I'm right here. I'm standing right next to you. Even closer than that, I dwell within you. And so share my love with your neighbor who needs to know it. I'll be with you as you bail your child out of jail. I'll be with you as you prepare to minister. What do I do with a three-year-old? I have no idea. I'll be with you. And God calls people to serve him. He saves and he sends and he's with us in that life. And with God, all things, not just some things, all things are possible. Matthew 19 teaches us. And you remember as Jesus is sending his disciples, his beloved disciples whom he loves so deeply, and he's sending them, and he says in Matthew 28, Surely, truly, don't you know that I will be with you to the very end of the age, I am, I will be with you to the very end of the age. You know, I was thinking of uh, Nicholas and Danelle Ivins as they gave 20 years of their life, feeling God calling them to, to go, to be used of him, to share the love of Christ. And they had this wonderful relationship with all these people in China. And then God brought them home. And you go, what now, Lord? Who are we to be for your kingdom? Because they both long to serve the Lord, their whole family. And so as they trust him and as they wait upon him, I know he was reminding them, and he shared it with us, that the Lord again was with them in all these things, all the interviews he went to. And then he gave them a job, and not just a job, but an awesome job with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Brought them into really this wonderful, just abundant promised land, this beautiful, let me just surprise you with a really great job. Who knows how long they'll be doing that, but their heart is to just be available. They may go back to China someday, if God wants them to, but they're open to that. In all that steps and in all the waiting, I am with you. And they knew that full well, and it was wonderful to watch their lives as they waited upon God to see what he was doing with them. That's our God that we serve. And the sign that God is with you is that you're going to come back to this mountain and you're going to worship here. And you will worship me. Well, who is this God that we're going to worship? Let me finish this section, starting in verse 13. Moses said to God, and look at his flesh again, well, suppose I go. Can you imagine you're talking to God? Well, let me think about it, Lord. Suppose I was to go. Love this. It just shows God is okay with our humanity. Do you know what I mean? We're a mess. We're, we're just all about us. And God's okay with it. Look at it. Suppose I go to the Israelites and, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, one of the most powerful statements in all of Scripture, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. Yahweh as we know him. 
In history, there was all these gods. But they were all in the noun form. Baal was master. Shamash was sun. Anu was sky. Moses was raised in a polytheistic culture. Anubis, the Egyptian god of the dead, he knew that. Bast, the Egyptian cat goddess. Hathor, the Egyptian cow goddess. I don't know if you'd want to be the cow goddess. (laughs) Poor woman. Min, the fertility god. Nut, the Egyptian goddess of sky and heavens. Those are just a few of the gods. Do you understand? Raised up, knowing all these other gods. Raised up, hearing different names for gods. All in the noun form. So who are you, burning bush? What are you all about? A name is important, isn't it? We, we think very carefully about the names of our children, about who they're to be. We, we want to give them names that, that have significance and meaning. Caleb, bold and faithful. In the, in the deepest Hebrew form, it means tenacious like a junkyard dog. That's what his name is. Joshua, Yahweh is salvation. Alexander means to be kingly. Names are valuable. And so give me a name so that I can bring forth who you are, your character. And God responds with a name. I am who I am. Yahweh. And he responds as a verb. You can't miss that. He responds as a verb. Brian Morgan says, By using the verbal stem to be... Israel's God defies definition, totally mysterious, totally other about this God. He is wholly other. And because the Hebrew tense, you can't identify it, you can't signify it in the way the English can as far as future past, it's just there. So it can be translated two ways. I am who I am, or it can be in the future tense. I will be who I will be. Take that name to the people. Take that name and let them know I am has sent you. In giving the name, he is committing, covenanting himself to the history of Israel for all the future. Do you realize that? Tell him I will be who I will be and you are my covenant people and that will never change. I will be part of your life forever. And he invites us, as he says that, into faith as as history unfolds, doesn't he? As our lives unfold, and he says, I will be who I will be in your life. Then we take a step of faith and we go, okay, Lord, be who you're going to be today in my life. I live on you alone, and I know that you are with me. Be who you will be. And so the Israelites, as they cross the Red Sea, they sang out, The Lord is warrior. The Lord is his name. And Moses was able to offer that name of our holy, awesome, loving, personal God. A name that Moses and a name that hopefully you and I can learn to worship. A name that they clung to. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. God intimately connected 
And the name went out throughout history. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my peace. The Lord is my king. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my strength and my shield. And Israel would cry out these things about, I am and I will be. A name that became so holy that they could only say, Adonai. And in the New Testament, Jehovah. They wouldn't pronounce it. And then a name that came and a character that came in a loving God in the person of Jesus Christ. And I am the bread of life, Jesus said. And I am the light of the world. And I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine. And in the person of Jesus Christ, we have the character and love of God. This God that Moses was learning to serve and trust. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Do you want to know who God is? It's perfect in the person of Jesus Christ. I will be what I will be in every situation in every need that you have, in every day, every step that you take, in every moment, I will be what I will be. I am your rescuer. I am your abundant provision. I am your identity. I am with you always. I will be involved in all areas of your life forever because I am. The title of the sermon, To Be or Not to Be, that is not the question for God. It's to be and to always be. That is my statement, God says to us. Do you know this God that we worship? May you enjoy his love in your life. May you receive from him. And as we go from this place that we know, that that God of the burning bush is the same God that you and I serve today. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.